Well, today I found myself After searching all these years And the man that I saw He wasn't at all who I thought he'd be I was lost when you found me here And I was broken beyond repair And you came along And you sang your song over me It feels like I'm born again It feels like I'm living For the very first time For the very first time this morning. Look with me in Romans chapter 1. Wasn't that wonderful? Y'all remember the very first time when you met Jesus? And that very first time He came to you and He gave you a joy. You felt a joy and a love and a peace that you've never felt before. I've forgotten a lot of days, but I've never forgot the day that I met Jesus for that very first time. Are you glad to be saved this morning? Isn't it good to be bought by the blood of the Lamb? It's good to know that we know that we know if we die today, we're going to spend an eternity in heaven. You say, Preacher, I don't have that. Well, you can get that this morning. 
You're in the place where you can get that today. So if you're not saved, I want to ask you to be saved. But if you're saved, I want to talk to you about having a burden for lost souls. If you would, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 1. Y'all going to stay awake this morning? I know we ate a lot this week. I know it's been tough on us. But I tell you, uh, we got something worth staying awake for, don't we? Isn't the Word of God wonderful? And it is the most powerful thing in all the world. And so let's allow the Word of God to have uh, its will and way in our heart and in our life today. Romans 1 and in verse 14, the Apostle Paul said, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are, that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, of everything that is wrong in the, in the world, your word is correct. And I pray that we would apply this to us today. Lord, I pray that you would make our hearts ready so that we could apply this to us, so that we can allow this to mold us and to make us into vessels of honor, Lord. Lord, I pray that you are pleased with everything that takes place in this room today. It's all about you. Lord, it's always been about you, and I pray that it always be about you. Lord, I ask for grace and mercy as I try to preach your word. Lord, just put your hand upon me. Lord, anoint me. Give me the freedom and the liberty to preach your word. Lord, I pray for the lost today. And if there's any that are lost and need to be saved, I pray that they would get saved today before it's eternally too late. And all of this I ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about having a burden for lost souls. Do you realize today that as a child of God, one of our greatest responsibilities, one of our greatest jobs is this right here. We are, once we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, our greatest job is to bring those that do not know Jesus to the place where they can come to meet Him and make Him their personal Savior. If you're saved today, our greatest job is to bring people to Jesus Christ. All throughout the Scriptures, as Jesus was living and as Jesus was preaching, we find in very many places where people came and they were bringing people to Jesus. We find where people brought their neighbors, they brought the sick, they brought the people in their communities that needed Jesus. We even find in places where parents brought their kids to Jesus. Our greatest responsibility today is to bring the lost people to Jesus Christ. Can we save them? No. But we need to bring them to the place where they can hear about Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, why do I need to do that? Why can't they just come on their own? Friend, a lot of people in this world today, they, they think what we're doing here today is nonsense. 
They, they don't see any purpose in coming to this place. They don't see any purpose in talking about Jesus or going to the Bible. They don't see what we see. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, "...in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not." Do you understand today that lost people do not see what we see? They do not see the, the, the need for Jesus. They do not see the need for church. They do not see the need of why we come here. Do you realize the world thinks we're crazy today? Why in the world would you sacrifice your hunting days? Why in the world would you sacrifice family days to go to that church house, to, to read that book and to talk about that individual that I can't even see? And in reality, they can't see. But you can. You can see and I can see. And our job is to understand that they are blinded and they don't see. And the Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. Brother Trey, they don't see that. But you see it. And you are their friend, you are their family member. And it is our job as Christians to understand that they have an eternity. Your eternity is important this morning, isn't it? It was so important to you that you stopped everything you were doing to meet Jesus and make Him your personal Savior. If your eternity is that important to you, what about the eternity of your friends and your family today? Is their eternity important to you? It ought to be. They don't see that a judgment day is coming, but you see it. They don't see that the eastern sky is going to split wide open, but you see it. You're their eyes today. It is our job as Christians to bring lost people to Jesus. Our eternity may be secure. Hey, if I die today, I'm going to heaven and I know it. But what about my family? What about my friends? What about our community? It's important to me that I'm going to heaven, but is it that important to me that my family is going to heaven? I'm glad to know that my wife's going with me. Amen. Don't y'all, aren't y'all glad to know that your family's going with you? Is that important to you? It ought to be one of the most important things in your life to know that your family and your friends are going to go to heaven with you. Because at the end of the day, all these possessions and all this stuff in this world that we work for, none of this stuff matters. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what we've done with Jesus Christ. And I ask you today, what have you done with Jesus Christ? And child of God, does it matter to you that people around us are dying and going to hell? Does it matter to you that people around you are perishing? The worst condition we can get in is get in a place where we're saved and we're satisfied and we don't care about anybody else. As a child of God, we ought to care about the eternity of other people. It is our job to care. Hello? Are you all awake this morning? About four of you. Are you awake this morning? Do you care where people spend eternity? It is our job at Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church to care. If anybody cares, it ought to be us this morning. I want you to look in Romans chapter 1 in our text. And I want to look at a few things because if there's anything we know about Paul... Paul had a burden for lost souls. And number one, the debt we owe. 
The reason that Paul was so successful, because he felt as though he owed a debt. Think about how many people Paul led to the Lord. Think about how many churches were started because of the influence of Paul and his willingness to share the gospel. Why did he do what he did? Because he had a burden for lost souls. He had a burden for lost souls. Notice what he said in verse 14. He said, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Why did he preach? Why did he teach? Because he said, I am a debtor. And he felt as though that he owed it to everybody around him to share with them the good news gospel. Now, Paul did not say, I'm a debtor to Jesus Christ. And in reality, we, we really are, aren't we? But that's not why we serve Jesus. We don't serve Him because we have to. We serve Him because we get to. And He never said, I'm a debtor to Jesus, but He said, I'm a debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians, the wise and the unwise. I am a debtor to those that are without. Why did He owe it to everybody to tell them the gospel? You say, preacher, I'm saved. Why do I owe anybody anything? Is Jesus not the greatest thing that has ever taken place in your life? Is the day of salvation not the greatest day of your life? Man, if if you find this great thing, and and, you know people, salesmen, they, they love what they sell. And they want to share with everybody, and they say, I just got to tell you. And that's what Paul felt like. He felt like he owed it to everybody around him to tell them about Jesus. I believe as saved people, we owe it to our community to tell them about Jesus. I believe as saved people, we owe it to our families to tell them about Jesus. And notice what he said. Notice what he said. He said, the barbarians, the Greeks, the wise, and the unwise. He said, I owe it to everybody whether they're educated or uneducated, whether they're clean or unclean, regardless of where they come from, I owe it to all men to tell them about Jesus. Now, we love to set up boundaries, don't we? But Paul just destroyed all of the comfortable boundary lines that we place in our life. Well, if I'm going to witness, I'll witness to this one, and I'll witness to this one, but I'm not going to witness to that one or to that one. Paul destroyed that. He said, I owe it to all men to tell them about Jesus. In fact, our Savior said, Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. He said, I am so indebted to mankind to tell them about Jesus, I'm willing to go anywhere to share with anybody what Jesus has done for me. Are you willing to go anywhere to anybody? You say, preacher, you don't know them. <laughs> you don't know God then. Well, they're unclean. Well, they ain't but one that's clean today, and it's Jesus. Well, their lifestyle, there's only one way to change. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. We had a woman one time coming in a homosexual relationship, coming to church. People come in, preacher, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, what do we normally do? We preach. We tell them about Jesus. We always want to go out and we think they got to look a certain way or be a certain way before we preach to them. Friend, God didn't care what we looked like. 
We ought not care what everybody else looks like and see them not in what they do and how they live, but see them that they need to be saved. Look at their heart's condition. You say, oh, their lifestyle's so bad. Friend, there's not but one way to get cleaned up, and it's to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There are no boundaries. There are no lines. It is our job as the New Testament church to go and to preach. Well, I tell you, I'm not going on that side of the town. That side of the town may become the north side of the town if they would get Jesus. Amen? Well, I don't go to that street. If that street got Jesus, everybody would go there. Listen. Quit looking out and thinking, okay... Now, I can share with him, but I can't share with him. Friend, I'm glad that God is not a respecter of persons. Let's not get on our high horse. Everybody needs Jesus. Aren't you glad that I'm part of that everybody? (laughs) And you're part of that everybody? Don't draw lines in the sand. I want you to look in 2 Corinthians 11. Hold your spot there. If you're with me, say amen. I want you to notice this. Paul went through a lot. Paul experienced a lot of battles in his ministry, but he continued on. And the reason that he continued on is because he owed a debt. And he said, I can't stop. I I, I can't stop because of the little things going on in my life. I have to continue to preach because I owe it to my family. I owe it to the people around me. Notice some of the things Paul went through in his life. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journey and often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, Often in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Paul went through a list of things that he had to endure. But even though he went through all of those things, he kept on preaching the gospel. If the preacher don't shake our hand, we leave the church. Let's get real. If the deacons don't talk to us, we get mad and we quit. Paul said, I have gone through all of this, but I continue on in the ministry. Now, it is easy for a man, to, for me, to carry my feelings on the shoulder and go to church and this one say this or that one say that. Well, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. Why didn't Paul quit? If any man had an excuse to quit, it was Paul. But he said, I can't. Why? Because he owed it to everybody to tell them about Jesus. And as bad as my life may be, my little boy needs to know there's only one Savior. As bad as my life may become, my family and my surroundings and my community need to know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. What do we go on as a church? We go on the fact, we continue on on the fact that the world around us needs to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Keep on going so that everybody can hear the gospel message. I'm going to tell you, there's too much to lose for me to sit down and quit preaching today. There's too much at stake. 
If you quit preaching, think about the effects of it. If you quit serving God, think about the effects of it. Now look back in our text in Romans 1. Notice verse 15. Notice the desire he obtained. The Bible said, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He obtained or possessed a desire. And his number one desire in this world was to preach the gospel. And he said, I'm ready. The word ready there means eager. He said, I'm eager to preach the gospel. Let me be honest with yourself. Don't raise your hand. When's the last time you were eager to preach the gospel? When was the last time you were excited about telling somebody about what Jesus has done for you? I mean, let's get honest. Sometimes we're not even excited about going to church. Huh. Well, it's Sunday morning. Huh. I guess we'll go to Sunday school today. Huh. Bless our hearts, I'm telling you. we got tough lives, don't we? we got to get some excitement to us. we got to get on fire. we got to get excited. Because you know what? There's a community around us dying and going to hell. And if somebody don't get excited about their lost soul, if somebody don't become burdened and convicted about their lost soul, they're going to bust hell wide open. We need to get a desire. Well, if that preacher will preach, people get saved. I'm not the only one that's called to preach now. Every one of us in this room has a responsibility to tell the people we come in contact with about Jesus. When you go out in the streets and to your jobs, tell people about Jesus. Invite them to church. Bring them. Invite them on. My dad was 20-something years old when he moved to Monroe. And he went to the General Motors plant, began to work, and he hardly ever been in church. He was lost. He was undone without God or a son. And he got to, he got to working. And there was a man by the name of Bruce DeBrule that... Uh, came to him one day and began to tell him about Jesus. He began to invite him to church. And my dad started going to church for the very first time in his life to Rolling Road Missionary Baptist Church there in Monroe. And before it was all over with, Jesus ended up saving his soul. And he got saved. And now he's a preacher. Now he's got two sons that are preachers. All because somebody was eager to tell him about Jesus. You never know. we got to get eager. We gotta get excited. We gotta get on fire. We need to have a burden. A conviction. I wanna ask you a question. Do you really care that people around you are perishing? Do you really care that people around you could go to hell today? As a daddy, it frightens my mind that I have two kids that hadn't come to that age yet. But it frightens my mind of the possibility that when they get to that place, they may deny Jesus. It rips my heart out. I don't want to see it happen. Hello? I don't want my kids to go to hell. I want them to go to heaven. I don't want my family or my community to go to hell. I want them to go to heaven with me. Notice verse 16. Are you with me this morning? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Number three, the dynamite we offer. Why tell people about Jesus? Because we possess something that is more powerful than anything in all the world. The word here, power, simply comes from a Greek word that we get our English word, dynamite. 
It is dynamite. What did he say was dynamite? The gospel of Christ. That means telling people about the story of Jesus Christ is the most powerful thing you can do. You say, what's the gospel? It's the birth, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the most powerful message in all of the world. Do you realize it holds more power than any other story in all the world? Let me ask you something. If you today found a cure for cancer, would you keep it to yourself? No. Man, you'd take off in the streets. Oh, look what I found. Now I can save everybody. Let me tell you something. There's a cure and there's a remedy for sin today. And it's called Jesus. And if you're a child of God, you hold that. You possess that. You possess the cure and the remedy to this whole world. We gripe about the world. We we moan about the world. But friend, the world is not going to get changed until they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you want this world to change, let Jesus change them. Bring them to Jesus and allow them to get saved. Tell them about who Jesus I'm going to tell you, the most powerful thing in all the world is Jesus Christ. The nuclear weapons have nothing on the gospel. Hello? (laughs) Y'all with me? China, Russia has nothing on the gospel message. May I tell you, it's more powerful than anything that we know or that we have. But we possess that if you're saved. The other uh, was this past summer, we were at church camp. There in Texas, in Pine Springs. And the last several years, five, six, seven years, I've taught the, uh, the college and career, uh, 11th grade through college and career. And every year I'd have about 45 and just a good group of older kids there at camp. And I love teaching that class. I look forward to it. Well, this year we got there, we had 75 in that group. I thought, Lord have mercy. What are we going to do? And so I worried about it, and they finally found us a place in the cafeteria, and, and they had this, uh, this setup here with a microphone and speakers everywhere. And every day, and the, our lessons during the week was the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. It was, it was the birth one day, the death the next day, the resurrection the next day. It was just the simple preaching of the Word of God. And I sat there and I thought, what are these kids? They already know this. But I preached every day. Every day, and I preached. What I didn't know is that there were speakers in the back of that kitchen where those workers were working and cooking. they never seen me. They didn't know me. But they heard. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And they heard that gospel message. And that Thursday, that very last session there, we said amen. And I looked way back there in the corner, and the door opened, and this lady, 40-something years old, come walking out, tears rolling down her cheeks. And I knew what was going on. Boy, I was getting excited. I said, boy, look at here. And here she come. I said, what's wrong? She said, I'm lost, I'm dying, and I'm going to hell. We got down on our knees right there in that cafeteria, and that woman came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not because I was some fancy teacher. She never met me. She never seen me. It was the gospel. It changed her forever. And ever and ever. I'm going to tell you, the gospel can change. It can change promised land community. It can change Hamburg, Arkansas. May I say Arkansas needs some salvation. I'm just going to throw that in there. (laughs) We need some help. But we all do, don't we? We need, they need the message. What are you willing to do to get the message out? 
What are you willing to do to bring people to Jesus? And may I tell you, at the end of the day, all of these ministries that we have, all of it, what's the purpose of it? So that we can bring people to Jesus. And when we go out in the world, we need to do everything and live in a fashion and a manner so that we can bring people to Jesus. Do y'all want to see souls saved? About 12 of you. Do y'all want to see souls saved? We need to get on fire, church. You know what? The sky is fixing to bust wide open. And Jesus is going to come again. we got to get on fire. There's too much to lose for us to stop preaching. Where's Connor at? Is he in here? Is any of my kids in here? Well, that's about right. Trying to make an illustration here. But them little babies... It's worth it for me to preach the gospel. Those little children, it's worth it. You know where it starts right now with this daddy praying. I've prayed since the day they were born. Lord, when that day comes, I pray they'd get saved. I've seen people come into church and I am like getting saved and people start praying and praying and praying and praying and the conviction of the Holy Spirit just makes them so miserable they just get saved. Child of God, when's the last time we got at the altars for our lost co-workers, for our lost family members? When's the last time we got so under conviction that we went to the altar just to pour our heart out and say, God, do whatever you can to save them. God, save them. Let me tell you something. Hell is a real place. And we can't lose sight of it, church, because there's people dying every day going to that place called hell. What are you willing to do today? to make sure that your friends and your family is going to spend eternity in heaven. Let's stand. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. And these altars are going to be open this morning. I'm going to encourage you to come to the altar. Maybe you have that son or that daughter or that mama or that daddy that's never been saved. Won't you pray for them this morning? Won't you get at the altar and just pour your heart out? Maybe you hadn't been doing enough. When's the last time you just sat down and you got burdened about for lost souls? And you got convicted about people dying and going to hell? Maybe you're here this morning. You need to be saved. Would you get saved today? Maybe, church member, you just need to pray, Lord, there may be somebody here lost. Lord, don't let them go. I pray that they'd get saved today. Let me tell you something. Prayer works. Pray for them. Pray for them. What page? 394.